0: you're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins.
1: In case you're new to City Tribe, I'm Doug and we are honored that you would invite us into your homes for worship. And I want to extend a special welcome to those of you who are what we call our spiritual investigators. I really respect the fact that you'd be willing to tune in to a Christian worship experience to try and figure out if God is for real and legit. And our sincere hope is that whether you're questioning faith or a longtime believer, that you would have an encounter with God Now, if you're tuning in for the first time for the whole month, we're encouraging each other to get up again. Whatever dream has died or discouragement that's come in your life, we say, get up again, try again. If you've wanted to give birth or adopt a child, but it hasn't happened for you yet, and you're feeling like quitting, get up again and try again. If you've dreamed of starting your own business and it's failed and left you down and discouraged, we say get up again. If you feel like a slob from sitting around and eating too much during quarantine like me, and you know you need to get back up to exercising, get up again. That's one of the ones that I had to do this last week. So there are all... All kinds of things that we're being discouraged by, and there is a proverb that's just for you today, just for me today. Here it is. It's Proverbs 24, 16. And look at it. It says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will look at those next words get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow. The wicked. And we were encouraged a couple of weeks ago when Dr. Garza Gonzalez taught us leadership lessons of Ruth, who shows us that our decisions determine our destinies. And Ruth was a woman who got up again. And then last week, Pastor Lee taught us the story of Paul, who beat down the thoughts with the truths that he had learned from Jesus. He beat down discouraging thoughts and Paul didn't just get up again. He got up again and again from the things that were discouraging and hurting him. Now, many years ago, my wife Jeannie and I felt knocked down because we were struggling to have a baby. We did everything our doctor asked us to do and it wasn't helping. And to make matters worse, two different kooky religious people prophesied that my wife Jeannie was pregnant when she wasn't. So the discouragement was mounting. And many of you know about the pain and discouragement of living through infertility. And I remember telling a friend of mine that God was probably just judging me for my past sins and that's why we couldn't get pregnant. And my friend said something that stuck with me to this day. He said, Doug, that's not God's heart for you. God doesn't treat his children like that. And when my friend John Trombley said that truth about God, it filled me with encouragement to get up and not give up on having a child. So Jeannie and I prayed and we switched to a different doctor and boom, Jeannie gets pregnant and we have two kids today. We thank God for that. That experience is why Jeannie and I were quick to encourage Ashley Taylor and Ashley Coffee at an awakened service over a year ago. The Ashleys and their husbands, Zach and TJ, were also dealing with infertility like Jeannie and I had. And they wanted babies, but it just wasn't happening. And Ashley Coffey had asked me at that awakened service if I knew anyone else dealing with the same issue. So connecting with someone, going through the same issue was huge encouragement for both Ashley Coffey and Ashley Taylor. So go back to Awaken with me just for a minute. Mark Roy, also Ashley Coffee's dad, was teaching that night at the Awaken worship service. And Mark asked people to do this little exercise and to turn around and see if you get an encouraging word for someone behind you or someone in front of you. So Ashley Taylor turned to a friend who gave her this verse as an encouraging word. I'll read it to you at 2 Timothy 1.7. "'For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, "'but of power, love, and self-discipline.'" And that one encouraging word from God was a huge turning point for Ashley Taylor because she was afraid of her doctor's next step to try and get a pregnancy. And that was also encouraging for Ashley Taylor because like me, she felt that she didn't deserve a child because of past sins.'" So between the uplifting worship music, encouraging words, and community of the tribe, both Ashleys were ready to get up again and move ahead. And we prayed and we cried and we asked God for help. And after a few weeks, still no pregnancies. But I'll have more on the Ashleys later on in our teaching. And before we move on, I wanna make one thing very clear some people are called to adopt children and other couples perhaps are called to not have children and other couples are called to birth children. But whatever your situation, God has all kinds of plans for all kinds of people. And the reason I told you about the Ashleys and Jeannie and I stories is because I want you to try and feel the emotions of Hannah in our Bible story today. Hannah felt an intense discouragement about her infertility. And so I want you to look with me at scene one, Hannah longing for a child, and we'll find this scene in 1 Samuel chapter one. Let me read from verse two. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. So, before I get into it, this is another one of those Bible stories in which the author undermines the wrong practice of polygamy or having more than one wife by showing the dysfunction in this type of relationship. Now, if you want to learn more about how the Bible denigrates the practice of polygamy, go back and listen to the talk on David and Bathsheba, and we'll link to it below. So in the next verse, I want you to look at the tension between Hannah and the other wife, Peninnah. Look with me at verse six of 1 Samuel chapter one. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. What kind of person does that? What kind of a woman taunts another woman because she can't have a baby? So I I really don't like anything about this Panina. Her name sounds like a weird iteration of the Italian sandwich Panini, and she's truly one of the mean girls of the Bible. So if you have a baby girl, please, as your pastor, I'm begging you, don't name her Panina, okay? So uh, what will Hannah do After she's been emotionally beat down by the toxic words of Penina, we'll look at the next verse, First Samuel chapter one, verse nine. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah, look at those two words, got up and went to pray. So, Hannah didn't participate in the trash talk. There was no catfight or throwing shade. Hannah got up. She went to pray. She took her problem to the Lord. And I want you to feel the intensity of Hannah's heart as we read her prayer in verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So in other words, what she's saying to God is, if you will give me a kid, I'll give him back to you to be a Nazarite like Samson in the Old Testament of the Bible, devoted to serve the Lord. And one of the practices of the Nazarites was that they didn't cut their hair. So after Hannah poured out her heart and her tears to the Lord, what will she do next? We'll look at verse 19. She, look at those two words, got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Hannah got the gift after she had gotten back up again. She got the gift of a son from the Lord because she applied that truth of Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. But now that she has the son, remember the promise to God that she had made. So the Bible doesn't often talk about the pregnancies of the character's mothers, but when it does, it's usually a significant player in God's story of redemption. Some of these miraculous pregnancies include people like Isaac, Jacob, Samson, John the Baptist, and even Jesus himself. So now that Hannah has one of these significant babies through a miraculous pregnancy, she would have to fulfill the promise that she made to God. Look at verse 27 of 1 Samuel 1. She says, I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. So God was gracious to give Hannah this child and now she is giving this boy back to the Lord. The Hebrew word for boy, some translations would say lad, is the same word that was used for Isaac when he was being taken up the mountain to be sacrificed by Abraham. Now, thank God that he provided a ram in the thicket, a sacrifice so that the boy didn't have to be sacrificed. But parents, giving kids to God is hard, isn't it? I've seen the look on my parents' face when they had to release me to the Lord to go into the ministry and leave my hometown knowing I wouldn't be there for Sunday afternoon meals or most holidays. And I'll never forget the look on my wife Jeannie's parents' face when they helped us move to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and they drove away giving their daughter to the Lord. Hannah gave her son to serve the Lord, and God gave Hannah three more sons, and two more daughters. So her comeback was better than her setback. But let's go back to the Bible and take a look at scene two, Samuel's interruption. Now look at the spiritual climate of that day. It's described in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse one. It says, now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. The passage hints that Eli, the current high priest, had grown dim in both his physical and spiritual sight. He was not hearing from the Lord like he once had because he was unwilling to give his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to the Lord like Hannah had done with her son. In fact, Eli knew his sons were stealing offerings from the tabernacle and they were seducing young women who were greeters at the tabernacle and sleeping with them. Eli wasn't willing to put a stop to it. Yet young Samuel had a pure heart before the Lord. Young Samuel is now like a young Star Wars Padawan living at the Tabernacle with Eli the older Jedi, and as the Jedi and Padawan are trying to drift off to sleep, Samuel is interrupted. And as Samuel is interrupted by the voice of God, what will he do? Look at this interruption in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll start with verse 5. He, look at those two words, got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel, look at those two words, got up. And he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. If someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. So even during a time when communications from God were rare, Samuel was willing to get up and listen for a word from God in the interruption because Samuel understood that the interruption was an invitation to hear from God. Did you catch that? The interruption was an invitation to hear from God. And as I think about that story, it reminds me of the interruption of a teenage guy named Dustin at a youth camp many years ago when I was a youth pastor. Everyone at the camp was experiencing this unusual move of God, so much so that after lunch, the kids started worshiping on their own and they wouldn't stop. In fact, those same students, middle and high school students, Gave up their free time of playing games and they continued to worship until it was time for us to leave that camp. And during that worship experience, strange things were happening. I mean, people were going to other people to ask for forgiveness and confess struggles and sins. And then a strong thought interrupted this kid, Dustin. And the strong thought was this it's going to sound kind of weird. Give Doug your weed. Now, by the way, uh, God didn't want me to have Dustin's weed so I could smoke it. So let's just be clear about that part. But what was happening there was that pot had been like an idol to Dustin because he felt like he couldn't be happy without it. And he kept a little dime bag of weed in a small old wooden box. So he called that little box his old dime box. Remember that, old dime box. Now, what we know is that substances can become our idols and Christ followers are to worship God alone and serve him only. So Dustin gave me his old dime box of weed. And as I took that old dime box and opened it up and sprinkled the weed on the ground, Dustin looked up and noticed an old wooden sign on the log cabin where we were worshiping. And a couple of years ago, I was giving a talk on hearing from God. And so I called up this camp where we had been those many years ago. And I asked them to take a phone picture of that sign and send it to me. And here's the picture. Look at it. Old dime box. It's like God was giving a literal sign, a confirmation. Dustin, a teenage kid, got the privilege of hearing from God because he was willing to get up from his seat and listen for God. He embraced the truth that the interruption was an invitation to hear from God. And perhaps it would be helpful for us, for you and I, to speak these words out loud together. We'll put this declaration on the screen and I'll say it. I'd like you to say it with me out loud. Please play along. But here's the declaration. Let's say it together. Ready? God, I choose to get up and listen for you because the interruption is an invitation. Let's say that one more time, okay? Let's, come on, play with me here. Go with me here on this. Say it out loud. Ready? Here we go. God, I choose to get up and listen for you because the interruption is an invitation. Now, if you were just willing to make that declaration, or if you're willing to make this declaration regularly, I'd like you to post the words, I'm listening in the comments on the channel on which you're watching this teaching today. Now, look, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, I can make the declaration without posting that I'm making the declaration. Or some of you are thinking, yeah, typing the comment on a Facebook Live or YouTube live stream isn't gonna make me hear from God. Yeah, I know that typing in a little comment doesn't guarantee that you'll get some lightning bolt from God. But I also know this, that taking an action step of faith gives us a much better chance of hearing a word from God. And in my own heart, I know that sometimes I'm unwilling to post a declaration like this because of my pride and even laziness. I also understand that me asking you to like get up and literally type in a comment is a bit of an interruption from your comfortable worship experience on the couch or your bed or wherever you're sitting. You may even have to take up your cross and sit down your coffee to type in the comment. But if you really wanna hear from God, please embrace the interruption as an invitation to type I'm listening in the comments now. And during the uncertainty of these current times, we're all listening to and reading lots of sources of information to try and figure out what we're to do right now, aren't we? We're listening to politicians and epidemiologists and conspiracy theorists. So whether you're listening to Dr. Fauci or Dr. Phil, we'd all be better off if we would listen to one person and that is God. The one person that we all need to hear from right now is God. And if God is really there, and he is, then he knows exactly what you and I need to do to experience the best life possible during this pandemic. So let that comment that you're typing in be like a starting point, like a declaration that every morning during the interruption of this crisis and beyond, we're saying, God, I choose to get up again today, listen for you because this interruption is an invitation to hear a word from you, God. And so like that kid Dustin I told you about, he got what we call a confirmation in the old wooden sign that said old dime box. When you start listening for God and you're gonna start wondering if an intense thought that you're having is really a word from God or if it's just some thoughts, you know, that you're having. Look for a confirmation. Look at the confirmation that Samuel got in verse 19 of chapter three. It says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of his words fall to the ground. So when it says, he let none of his words fall to the ground, Who's he talking about there? Was it Samuel that didn't let any of God's words to him fall to the ground? Or was it God didn't let any of Samuel's words fall to the ground? Well, I've read commentators who've said both, but um, I believe it is both. When Samuel got a word from God, he didn't blow it off. He didn't procrastinate obeying the word that he had received. Samuel didn't let any word that he received fall to the ground. He did something about it. And I wonder if sometimes God doesn't give us a fresh word because we haven't done anything about the last word that he gave us to do. And so, if you're a longtime Christ follower and like Eli, your spiritual ears have grown deaf, perhaps it's time to go back and revisit the last thing that God told you to do. And because Samuel obeyed every word he received from God, God made sure that every word Samuel gave to other people came to pass and didn't fall to the ground. God gave Samuel confirmations. Samuel gave a word of the future destruction of Eli's evil sons, and it was confirmed when it happened. Samuel gave a word that Saul would be filled with the Spirit and prophesied. It was confirmed when it happened. Samuel even gave a word that Saul would no longer be king of Israel, and it was confirmed when David became the king of Israel. I could go on and on and on and on in the Bible with illustrations of confirmations, but let me give you a couple of more recent ones within our own tribe. Recently, Pastor Lee got a word from the Lord to encourage our tribe to live preparing for the return of the king. And it was confirmed when a prophetic friend of our church sent us a message that we're to live preparing. We'll link to that talk below if you missed that talk. Another one is when Pastor Humby got a word from God about planting a church. The Lord even gave Humby a word about the building in which he's to plant this church. And the word was confirmed when God gave Humby unusual favor with the president of the board that makes decisions about that building. And then they gave him an unusually good price on the building. And by the way, the church will be called Akuo, which means listen, because we wanna be people who listen to the Lord. So you can go back and watch that sermon where Humby tells the full story on our YouTube channel City Tribe Media. We'll link to it below. Now, I know what some of you perhaps are thinking. Maybe some of you are new to thinking about God or hearing from God and all that, and some of you are thinking, "Where do I start? I don't know how to get a word from God." Well, here's what I recommend. Start where Samuel started in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 21. It talks about how God revealed himself to Samuel through his what? Through his word. God loves to speak through his word, the Bible. And as you constantly read your Bible over a number of years, you'll find God will bring to your mind, to your consciousness, verses that you didn't even remember memorizing. I've heard some people call it stuck in the pond. So what you do is you stock your mind with the fish of God's word. And when you throw a line in to get a word, you hook one that's been swimming around in your head. And this phenomenon is described in John 14, 26, where Jesus says "But when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you. Look at that. He will remind you of everything I have told you. So what happens is, is when you believe in Christ that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you and the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside you will remind you of the things that God said in his word. So start stocking the pond in your mind right now by reading through the word of God. And as I prepare these talks, I usually make a declaration similar to the one that I told you earlier you know, God, I choose to get up and listen for you because the interruption is an invitation. And as I was listening to God, the best I know how, I had the sense of something that I believe God wants to say to some of you today. And I'll give you that word in just a minute. But before I do, remember we started our conversation today with a story of Hannah who was dealing with infertility. I also told you about two couples in our church who were dealing with that same issue of infertility. Whatever happened with the Ashleys that wanted to get pregnant? Well, as you may remember, the Awaken worship service was a huge turning point for both Ashleys. And in the emotions of that night, they forgot to exchange phone numbers. And then one day, a coincidence happened. Mark Roy, Ashley Coffey's dad, just happened to see Ashley Taylor at the military hospital and helped the Ashleys reconnect with phone numbers. Now, one part of the story that's important for you to know is that Ashley Coffey has worked with babies her entire nursing career. So what Ashley was painfully aware of involves the statistics of mothers being able to get pregnant under her and Ashley Taylor circumstances. Now, Ashley Taylor is a scientist and she's also aware of the statistics of mothers being able to get pregnant under these circumstances. So both Ashleys had every reason not to believe they could get pregnant. The statistics, thoughts of unworthiness, repeated tries and discouragements, but after an encouraging word and the prayers of the tribe these Ashleys got back up again. And in this next picture, you'll see that their comeback was better than their setback. And in this picture, you'll see TJ, Ashley, and Maggie Coffee, Zach, Ashley, and Sadie Taylor. And in the little sunglasses, you can see baby Maggie who survived in the womb even though her mom got a serious case of the flu during pregnancy. Maggie would not be stopped. And in the other picture, you can see baby Sadie, who was born happy and healthy during a historic global pandemic, because little Sadie wouldn't be stopped. And these beautiful babies are alive and well today because of moms who made a declaration. They said, God, I choose to get up and listen for you because the interruption is an invitation. So, would some of you be willing to type out some encouraging comments below to these parents pictured here on screen? And as you're typing in those comments, I want to ask you a question How does your story, the Hannah and Samuel story, and the Ashley story intersect? And I believe that intersection is a word God gave me last week for some of you. And the word is a mashup of two verses that were really intense in my mind. And these two verses weren't even a a regular part of my regular reading plan or a part of preparation for this message. They were like an interruption in my mind. And here it is, it's simple, it's not flashy. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me repeat it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, here's why I believe this encouraging word is significant for some of you. Because some of you feel like your life is a mistake that you were born into a weird situation and that you're somehow hopelessly flawed. And I am here today to tell you, you're not a mistake, that God knew you in your mother's womb and he made you fearfully and wonderfully and he has a great plan for your life. The great prophet Samuel was born into a polygamous relationship and God spoke to him. So what makes you think that God won't speak to you too? So as you look again at the picture of these parents with their babies, how do you think these moms and dads feel about their babies? I happen to know these people. And I can tell you, they would lay down their very lives for these little miracles they hold. And what some of you need to know today and others of you need to be reminded of today is that this picture is a picture of the intense love that God the Father has for you. He was willing to lay down his life for you like these parents would for their children. And some of you, you know you have a relationship with God, but you think you're too average or too basic or not a big enough deal for God to ever speak to you. No. No. God speaks to his kids. These parents speak continually to their babies. The babies are just in the process of understanding their parents' voice, their parents' words. And one of the first steps to getting a word from God is believing that he'll speak to you. And my sense is that some of you feel like sins that you've committed or sins that were committed against you made you warp like you're a freak. And I'm here to tell you that's a wrong thought. The looks of love these parents have for their babies in this picture that you're looking at on screen right now are just a small glimpse of how a perfect father God looks at you. He sees you as precious. And it's time to get up again and listen for God because God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And perhaps there's someone hearing this message and you never knew that God looked at you with such love. I'd love to introduce you to him today through a simple prayer. And so if you're comfortable, let's bow Our heads and close our eyes. And perhaps if you've never had a love relationship with God, you would want to just talk to Him for the first time, maybe the first time in your life, and just say something like this to God God, look, I know I've sinned and made mistakes in this life, but right now, in these moments, I'm making a choice. I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to show me your love for me, even me. And he rose again from the dead to give me new life. And as we continue in prayer, perhaps there are others that have known God for many years, but you feel warped by a sin, a mistake, a relapse, uh, negative thoughts. And the thoughts are bombarding you as you sit around in quarantine, thoughts of depression, thoughts of wrong identity, and you're somehow thinking to yourself, I'm worthless. I may as well end it. And what you need to do today in prayer is make a declaration, God, I embrace my identity in Christ, that you were willing to give your son to purchase me, that you see me as fearfully and wonderfully made that you even knew me in my mother's womb. And God, I want to embrace my identity in Christ and walk in it. I'm choosing right now today to listen for your voice, the voice of love and encouragement, not the voice of the enemy that's trying to beat me down with discouraging thoughts about my inadequacy or my inability or my past failures. But God, I'm looking to the future with hope because you see me like we see these precious babies as a precious, beloved child. And I thank you for that identity. And I choose to walk in it now. And I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake, everyone said, amen.
0: I raise a hallelujah. I respond to you. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah.
1: Well, man, we hope that you have been encouraged today to get back up again, even despite the discouragements that perhaps you've been through. And one of the things that we know is that we hear from God when we hear Him and receive the encouraging words of His voice. It gives us the courage, the strength, the inspiration that we need to get back up and keep moving forward. So before we worship through our financial stewardship, I just wanted to read you a brief email that was sent to me this week from a friend from our church. And I want you to keep in mind that the guy who wrote this email wanted to remain anonymous, and he's a guy who's a long-term tither. That means he's regularly donated 10% of his income at a local storehouse to church, and he's a giver above and beyond the tithe. He's also a guy who loves the poor and has faithfully served the under-resourced for many, many years. But here's what he said in the email. Good morning, Doug. You gave a message on giving and how God has blessed some of those who have given by doubling their gift in return. And I caught some flack about that particular sermon as it... It seemed as though you were promoting a prosperity gospel. Anyway, I know your heart, so I defended your message, especially since I've seen firsthand of its fruits. So my wife and I decided to give to this fund, and we decided to each write a number down, and hers was four times higher than mine. But when it came time to give, my wife began to wonder if we should wait. Our income tax bill was way more than last year. And so we decided it was the right thing to do. So we gave it. We never expected anything in return because God has been faithful for our entire lives and we didn't need a blessing in return. Well, this week I received a bonus at a time when I shouldn't have gotten one, but God put on my boss's heart that I needed it now. And it was five times our gift God is so good. And this guy understands the difference between what we teach and the prosperity gospel because the prosperity gospel has a heart motivation of giving so I can get. But what we say is we wanna get to give to the things that matter to God and that's people. People like the guy who's out of work due to the COVID crisis and together we've provided food for he and his 82-year-old mother that he's caring for. People like a single mom out of work due to the crisis and she's trying to provide for her seven-year-old child. Well, together we provided food for this mom and her son. People are the reason that we bring the tithes 10% and even give offerings above a tithe. And as you consider your offering today, just listen to God like my friend from the email, no pressure, only love. But here's how we get this done at City Tribe Church. You can mail your offerings to PO Box 830745 San Antonio, Texas 78283. You can text your offering, text the word tribe, space and the dollar amount to 74483 or you can donate online slash tithe So, before you worship through financial stewardship and we end the broadcast, please allow me to speak a benediction over you. Now, if there's a friend or a family member next to you there in quarantine, go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder or reach out to the screen. If you're comfortable to do that, just receive these words of encouragement over you. Dear brothers and sisters, Go from this worship experience encouraged with a get back up mentality. Go from here making that declaration God, I choose to get up and listen. For you, because the interruption is an invitation. That invitation to listen to Him and connect with Him in deep loving relationship, in the confusion of all the voices competing for our attention, there's one still small voice that we can trust the encouraging voice of our Heavenly Father. When you've heard from Him, you'll know that nothing can keep you down. No pregnancy test, no virus, no economy, no past sin, no stock market or failure can keep you down. You will always get back up and your comeback is better than your setback. You guys have an amazing Sunday and we'll see you next time.
0: We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.